Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. I would say that passion and perseverance will help you prevail. Uh, You need to be relentlessly enjoying what you do. Today on episode 593 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with employment attorney Gary Ireland. I'm going to ask Gary how you can maximize your relationships to boost your income and amplify results for your clients. Stay with us to hear all the details. You can find out more about Gary along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Gary Ireland. Gary helps executives in transition to maximize income and benefits when joining a company and enhance severance and asserting legal rights when leaving. Gary has helped many clients in financial services, banking, law, media, technology, and higher education, among other fields. He also works with startups. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, David. I'm really uh, grateful to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on again. Oh, Gary, you've been practicing law for a long time. Have you always specialized in employment law? I've always worked with employees moving in and out of companies since two or three years into my uh, into my profession. I started in litigation, and I continue with litigation if if needed in asserting the rights of my clients. But more now, I work in the area of negotiating uh, clients when they're you know it, it'd be some for example someone in media that wants to move from one um, station uh, to another station. I'll help them move on from their old contract and negotiate a new contract and and try to limit the non-compete so that they can move on right away. I do that with mostly in the financial services area, media, technology. And then I work with startups now. So it's especially in technology where they're taking off and and they uh, I like to work with um, startups because they're they're always trying to innovate and and they're edgy. What is it about employment law that you love? I like getting the most out of both employees and employers. And I think with statistics showing that the disengagement is so high, it's as high as 50%, and there's no way to get much out of an employee if they're not interested in the subject matter and they're disengaged, and especially if they're working from home. So if I'm working with employers, I want to make sure that they engage their employees. And as from, from an employee standpoint, I want to make sure that they're interested in the subject and that they're doing the best work they can. And a lot of it is working with coaches like yourself, getting, getting my clients to work with coaches and getting um, employers to buy in and use coaches to get the most out of their employees. So you, you work with both management and employees? I work predominantly with employees, but I also work with management. And, and the object, you know, my personal mission is to get people in general to do their best. And what I mean by that is I I worked with my daughter and my son in the Boy Scouts trying to open up the Boy Scouts to girls. It's it's, it's supposed to be the best leadership training for our youth. And my daughter wanted in and so many other girls wanted in. And we spent nearly 10 years uh, breaking down the gender barriers. And we worked with the LGBT community. We worked with various organizations for, for, uh, you know, the Boy Scouts is not known to be open to change very fast. And uh, now there are some 200,000 young women that are, are able to join the Boy Scouts and get the benefits of, and my, my daughter is an Eagle Scout now, just like my son. And the training to get there is so important. And I want 
opportunities the same way for employees and employers to understand. You, you look at a company like Patagonia that has a mission to basically save our planet. Well, most of the employees that I've spoken to that work there are have fully bought into that mission and they uh, do the best they can for that company. And, and other companies can reach the same excellence and employees can as well. And I want to help them do that. That's a long-winded answer to your question. Well, no, but it's an important question because um, I think in order for both, um, well, first of all, the relationship between employers and employees is two-sided, right? It, it only works well if both sides are, are motivated to drive success for everyone involved. You're absolutely correct. And what I'm hearing from you is that, right, that's exactly where you're coming from. Right, right. So many employees want to get a job but they haven't thought about what that job entails. And sometimes when going for the job, they can actually speak to the employer and say, well, you know, this is, if they have the confidence and they have the resume to back it up, they can um, negotiate with the employer for, to reach even higher excellence, even on the way in or soon after they, they join. And sometimes I've had clients that weren't, weren't in a situation where they could work outside the home. I, I had a situation where we had a real serious illness with, with my wife. And I had to work from home for a long time. And other people are in similar situations. And the pandemic has made that obvious to so many people. So if, if you need to work at home, I've had clients where they're, they go in for one thing and they end up coming out as a consultant uh, in a much stronger position where they can work for several companies and create excellence for many rather than just working for one and being um, forced to go into work and, and doing in a situation that is not ideal for them. So I try to navigate situations when working with employers and employees to bring out the best in everyone. All right. So what are some examples of some of the cases you've worked on that have really kind of been emblematic of your values of trying to promote engagement, boost success on both sides? Clearly, you represent only one side when there's a negotiation. But what are some examples where it looks like a very challenging situation going in, yet it can be turned around and both sides can win? I've gone into a situation where a client joins a company and isn't, is really looking, there's so much more potential in that employee that, and I generally work with executives, and they wanted to get uh, higher education. They wanted to, to, you know, I think this particular person wanted to get a, an MBA. And the company wanted to a commitment from that that employee, and it worked out well. And that the company was willing to pay for the employment, the employment, and the MBA, and the employee was able to further her education. I've also heard real tragic stories. I'm working with someone right now who is a very high end executive. She came into a company. She had a serious illness going in. It was obvious to everyone involved, and almost immediately they tried to. They undercut her uh, authority, um, disparaged her, terminated her, and even uh, on the way out, whether it was purposeful or not, she was denied um, access to her health care, which was life, you know, she needed that to save her life. Um, it was one of the most egregious examples of discrimination, seeming discrimination that I've seen, and just really poor management in that if you're going to terminate someone with a, an illness, at the very least, you better make sure they have continued coverage. She never even got notice of, of an opportunity to get, uh, get um, COBRA. 
employers must be cognizant. If, if you're going to terminate a relationship, this is the most egregious where you, you cut off somebody who's got a life-threatening illness. But at the very least, when it's time for someone to leave a company, let them leave with their dignity. This, this woman was stripped of her dignity. She was humiliated. And then they, they exacerbated a life-threatening um, illness. So you can imagine her anxiety levels way up. And is that case still going on or is it done? It is still going on. Fortunately, I was, I was able, when I got the case, I was able to, you know, I, I immersed myself in it, wrote a letter uh, the same day I got it. And, and that night, um, her benefits were reinstated. But that should never happen. And that's where HR has to be more responsible. And everyone, I mean, the, the person terminating her, should, you know, should have said, listen, we're going to make sure that we take care of you. Uh, you know, we, we believe it was for reasons other than her performance, but this, this should never happen. You know, and, and, and employers, I think, are understanding as, as the balance is shifting and there's the employees are having more power right now. And I've never seen this happen to this extent where there's a, there's a, a market. Uh, where, where employees can go in and, and dictate some terms, it's a good time to be saying, hey, listen, I want to w- work from home. But employers have to realize for the long term, if they want committed employees, they've got to be committed to their in, 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 you know, those employees. And even if, they, if some, it's time for someone to leave, they have to let them leave with their dignity. It's got, it's got to work that way. Or you're just having um, people showing up for work, but they're not going to be committed. That's, that goes back to what I said before. If you want... Um, committed employees that are going to uh, be dedicated to your mission, then the most important thing is to treat them decently. Let's talk a little bit more about the the situation you alluded to earlier, where someone is a high-achieving professional as an employee and then transitions to becoming a consultant. You mentioned that it is common in those situations for that individual to also become a consultant for the employer that he, that he or she had been an employee for. I've seen that happen where, where there's a transition in the company. There may not be enough money in one area of the company to afford a full-time employee, but there may be enough money in another area of the company to afford, afford a consultant. So if there's a big enough company and they're looking to, if they value employees, and they want to make have you know make room for someone. They'll they'll figure out how to make that work. And I've seen that happen many times. And I think it's it's important for the employee and particularly for the employer to be creative. If they want to keep an employee, they better figure out how to do that. And that's I do my best to try to be creative and, and offer other solutions. And and really, when when I'm trying to negotiate a severance, or even if I'm trying to avoid litigation, or or I'm in the middle of litigation, I try to be creative in offering solutions to um, satisfy all the parties. Because I know uh, litigation in, in employment matters are really contentious because of usually there's, there's an allegation of some sort of bias, uh, discrimination, and, and then it gets, both sides can get entrenched. So you need to be creative and, and open-minded um, and, and maybe bring some different people to the table. Right. So one of the things that you're saying is when there's a, essentially a, a shift in the the formal relationship between employer and employee, both sides should think about what would be a creative solution to that shift. So for example, one of the things we talk about a lot on, um, on this show is for somebody who is a long-term employee, exiting 
that relationship with the employer and then becoming a consultant. And, um, and I like to describe it as happening either by design or by circumstance. So sometimes the employee is proactive and may see a situation that's not working out to her or his liking. Like, for example, you know, sometimes people see that they've kind of hit a plateau in their career. They've hit a plateau in terms of responsibility, in terms of compensation, and, um, and they may be working more and more on things that aren't the best fit. And they think that they'll have more control over their destiny by, by becoming self-employed. So they leave proactively and then start a consulting business. The circumstance situation is when an employee gets pushed out, sometimes it's a situation where all of a sudden there's a new direct supervisor who comes in and the new supervisor has inherited employees and they often will look to either they're directed to demonstrate cost savings as one of their one of their success markers so they may look to terminate more highly compensated people who are direct reports, that that's a situation that happens. Sometimes there's a change in the marketplace. And uh, like you alluded to, the company just doesn't have the funds to pay for everybody. And um, they may, again, look to, to cut the more highly compensated people, which tend to be the older people. So even if you, if you take out the, the formal age discrimination from, from the equation, you're still faced with somebody who is being pushed out, who is probably, I'm going to say, over the age of 50 and has to make a decision, do I want to look for another job or would I rather be self-employed? So that, that's a situation we talk about a lot. And, and, or do I want to leave the company and, and file something? Because uh, you know, you've got 40% of employees, and, and I'm taking another a, a number of uh, statistics and, and kind of culminating it, but you've got, you've got 40% of employees are looking over their shoulder thinking that there's some kind of bias being directed at them. That's a huge number. And how are you going to get those employees to be efficient when they're concerned about that? But then moving on to, I had an employee recently who was a top producer at a, um, and he was a trader with a bank and he was, uh, had a new supervisor and the supervisor was, had a different strategy for moving forward. Now you've got a highly valued employee who I saw as a leader within the community. Um, he was, he was really highly respected. So rather than moving that employee out, why not look towards finding another position within the company, not under that specific supervisor for whatever reason, it wasn't working with that specific supervisor. So how do you, how do you work around that? And I think companies have to be more engaging in the needs of their employees in order to maximize, first of all, their own profits and the employee engagement, because for every person that witnessed what was going on within the company towards this, this valued employee, How's that going to make them feel? Right. It impacts the behavior and the productivity of everybody around that employee. And I see so many companies looking towards, well, we need to get rid of this employee. It's just this one employee. No, it's, it's everyone around that employee that sees what's the way this employee is being treated, particularly if it's a valued long-term employee. They need to have full engagement. And that's why I recommend bringing in coaches like yourself, David, I mean, that are highly trained and committed to bringing out the excellence in, in 
both management and employees, because it's so important. And it takes a real professional. I've, I've studied uh, leadership for a long time, including I taught leadership in, in the Boy Scouts and uh, to adult leaders and to children. And it really is the same thing. It's, it's like coaching at, you know, we see the Olympics coming up and you see these excellent coaches and these excellent athletes. And how do you bring the best out of them? It's really the same methodology that you want to find out what and, and what drives one employee isn't going to be the same as what drives another employee. Their values may be different. Their needs may be different. Someone may be having difficulty with child care. And that's why we see that at, at the forefront of legislation right now. You know, some families are, are really struggling because they don't have someone to take care of their child care. And the employers are, are blind to that oftentimes or they just don't want to realize right. uh, that's that's an issue. So I'm trying to find out whatever motivates people. Let's figure that out and and try to, if we can, get it, get it for them. Right. Now, in the case where the employee does decide to become a consultant, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges in that transition? Well, I just finished a um, program called the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. And uh, I just spoke at their graduation last week. And it was they, they teach you in there to, to seize opportunities. It's, it's a 13 module about, and you, and you figure out what, where are the needs? Because you have to make sure that your needs, the needs of the community that you want to serve work within what your expertise is. Because if you, you could be the best at something and if nobody wants it, you're still going to be out of work. So you've got to figure out what and where your interests lie, because you want Hopefully, your interests are going to lie exactly where people in what people need. Uh, I'll take you as an example. I've known you for a long time now, David, and I've seen you. You you bring out the best in people, and I see you thrive when you see other people thrive. I see you know your your smile uh, broadens. So if you can find that excellence and and that passion and align those, then you've got a consultancy that's going to work great. And you need to then market it. And that's where I I think we all need to figure out how to be better marketers. Yeah. What do you see accelerating the success of this transition? Because one of the things that happens when you go from employment to consulting, one of the shifts is how your the trajectory of your compensation. If you lose a job and you're income was coming primarily from the job, then your income goes from 100% to pretty close to zero overnight. And if you get another job, your income goes from zero back to 100% also overnight. When you start a consulting business, it doesn't work that way. It could actually take a lot longer than many people realize to replicate your previous income as an employee. And the ones, uh, people that, that are really successful are able to surpass their employment compensation when they're a consultant. You know, since you work so closely with people on an individual basis, and you do work with people who go through this transition, as, as you mentioned, what are some of the factors that you think can accelerate the success trajectory for people going from employment to consulting? That's a great question. I find that the most successful um, individuals are the ones that have a plan, have a passion, and it's, they were, have written business plan as they exit their uh, employment. And oftentimes it's, it's by choice. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but they also have a support system, whether it be through family members, through savings, 
through a spouse or partner that has insurance because insurance is so important. You know, no matter what happens, you still have to feed yourself. You have to pay your mortgage. You have to pay your expenses and, and healthcare being one of the major ones. So how are you going to do that while you move on to your next opportunity? And that's important to have thought through clearly while you're doing that. And, and so many people that I see have principles that are aligned with their uh, partner or spouse so that they get support from, from that spouse who's, who's may have a job that provides benefits. I know that when I went out on my own, I had a partner who was 100% in my corner for what I wanted to do. And, uh, and we had real alignment of values, you know, and, and um, she saw what I did. I took on some cases that were pretty risky working on uh, police misconduct cases. There was one in South Holt that, that we ended up winning a jury trial. And this is before videos and, and it was a, a repeated assault on, a, uh, on, a, on an African-American member of the community in Southold and by the police department. And we brought a uh, civil rights case, which was not popular. This was in the early 2000s and, um, and we prevailed, but it took years. And um, fortunately, I had a very supportive and patient partner that uh, was willing to you know, understood that this this commitment was important both to me, to the community, and to her. Right. So one of the things I'm hearing from you is patience and perseverance are really important and having enough cash to manage the, your cash flow so you can keep paying your personal expenses as you build up your business is also really important. Right. I would say that that passion and perseverance will help you prevail because you need to have, uh, you need to be relentlessly enjoying what you do. Right. So you've got to have this passion that, that fires you up to get up every morning and to work on behalf of your clients. And what's going to do that? You know, obviously, some of it's monetary, but a lot of it is, uh, you know, it, I, I oftentimes work with people on, on the other side in, in cases where discrimination is. And, and because I'm I so believe in what I do, that helps carry me a long way when I'm working on weekends and late into the evening. Yeah, for sure. Gary, is there anything else that that I haven't asked you that you that you think is really important, especially when it comes to making the a successful transition from high achieving employee to successful consultant or coach? You know, as as a manager, I would say, and we're all managers, right? We have we have people that that look to us for for ideas, for support, and one of the things that there's many many quotes, but I love the quote by Maya Angelou that says, "At the end of the day, people." won't remember what you said or did. They'll remember how you made them feel. And so, and, and let's think about that. It's how you made them feel. So let's, let's think about how many, at least in my business, how many managers have come in, they've checked off the boxes and they brought in HR and they've done everything they're supposed to do except take care of their employee. So I'm saying to all the managers out there and, and everyone that works with a family member that works with anyone, take care of each other because that at the end of the day, being human and making, if you want to bring excellence out in, in people, then, then make them feel important and make them feel valued. So well said, Gary, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed, get in touch with you, access any resources you may have, where would the best place be for them to go? Sure. Anybody can email me. I'm at Gary at IrelandLaw.net. Gary at IrelandLaw.net. I welcome the opportunity to speak with anyone. And uh, David, I, I'm really always honored to see you. And, and thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, it's, it's an honor to have you as well, Gary. Thank you so much. Have a great day. 
My guest today has been employment attorney Gary Ireland. Thank you, Gary, for joining us. Thank you, David. Principle-centered leadership is so important, and, and you're, you're a big part of mine. Thank you. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how you can maximize your relationships to boost your income and amplify results for your clients. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.